if you are a billionaire, it doesn't mean you have a class. Class and character is more important than what you have in your wallet or how big or how rich. Maybe you're a billionaire, millionaire, end of the day. If you don't have the class, you might show, pretend to be successful. We all know nobody can go and tell you internally in your mind, you know what you are. Listen, too many of us spend most of our waking hours working hard for our money and have little time left to figure out how to make our money work hard for us. We default to handing our savings off to advisors who make their livings off our assets while we wait until 65 to enjoy any of the benefits. The problem is we need a quick way to gain the knowledge to take back the reins on managing our money while avoiding the misleading media or just straight bad advice. My goal is to give you all my knowledge, full-time research, and connections in a distilled version so we all can make our money work harder for us. This show focuses on ways you can take back control and intelligently invest outside the stock market to benefit your life today as well as into retirement. I'm Brian O'Neill, and welcome to the Harder Working Money Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Harder Working Money Podcast, where we talk to executives and entrepreneurs and business managers about how to make the money that they're making work harder for them. So our guest today is Vikram Jangam, and he uh, owned a tech company, and now he's transitioned into some other investments. And we definitely wanted to talk to him because he's got an awesome backstory and things that he's accomplishing nowadays. Welcome on the podcast, Vic. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. No problem. I want to talk about, first of all, about the company you started in 1999 called Shreven Systems. And I looked it up a little bit last night, and it's an Inc. 5000 company. I mean, you had clients like Delta, Citigroup, FedEx, E-Trade, like big names. And I just wanted to kind of get the backstory, like how did you start that? Who was your first client? What got you started and how did you get to end up working with clients like that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Firstly, I would like to start. I'm an electronic and communication engineer. I graduated from India, Gulbarga University. And then when I came here, I came on a work visa as a programmer. Then I tried to do my master's, but I did not finish it. But I thought that's not really needed because I was from the childhood. My dream was always to become an employer. I'm not a good employee. So what happened? I worked as a programmer. I was working from 98 since I entered US. I was working even back in India. I was working as a programmer. But I was always referring people, friends, and anyone who was looking for jobs referred to my employers and other employers. But they always complained. They were not being treated well. So they have this problem and they come back to me and ask me. When I saw that coming again and again. End of 99, I was thinking I should be starting something. You know, when I'm good with that, I referred more than 30, 40 people to other employers. I thought I should be doing that and I have connections, good at socializing with people and maintaining connections. So all these clientele where I was working, all the employees I was referring, they all encouraged me to start and which is my dream. I always wanted to be an employer. Then I started in 1999. What exactly does Shreven Systems do? I honestly checked out the website and I can't tell, are you guys programmers? Do you connect staff with people? Like what exactly does that company do? To give you a background, uh, we are an IT staffing and services company. 
So when I started in 99, so my goal was to like find employment to all these employees who are looking for jobs. And with my connections where I was working, I was able to like uh, get them onto job boards and get onto the projects. So then the way they started referring their friends and family, that's how, you know, I started growing more with service oriented from referrals. And when I started like 99, I just started with ground zero and it just went with referral by 2001, we were almost close to 90 employees. I'm getting pretty good referrals from all the clientele and employees. And it, it did start pretty good, but then again, in 2001, after September 11th, so, you know, I have a bad memories because that day, like, you know, I was in New York. My office was also in New York, in Manhattan. I was in 36th Street and 6th Avenue. So I used to go, but that day, uh, it's my routine now to check the NY1 before I go to the office. So I was looking at NY1 and I saw this thing and it was a complete shocker because we used to go. That's pretty common going on to World Trade Center. Any friends and family comes to visit us, we used to take them. But that day changed everything, not only to the world. Even personally, like my business started like going really from 90 to we went almost like a two employees mm -hmm. by end of 2001. My next question was going to be, was it a rough start? And that's definitely a, a, a rough uh rough change did you have a, do you have a lot of government contracts or do you, do you place a lot of people in the government or is it all just private companies i do mostly like i did a lot on financial side i used to work with the wells fargo bank of america and first financials a lot of financial clients and that did take a big hit in and then one after that was losing a lot but my biggest strength is my wife my wife Sarita so we both were like uh, really completely down and we don't know what to do at that point then we ended up working as um, hard jobs so I went and worked at like an electrical company for nine dollars ten dollars per hour my wife she did work at a perfume stores for seven dollars per hour and we worked for like three months and then we figured out this is not what we are meant to do and but we wanted all along we wanted to learn the business and do something different than what we can that's the whole idea of doing something but then we decided let's not do this let's come up with something else and then i did several others in the transition i started a cell phone tour and then i had this vending machine companies but i didn't find any success in any of those then the key what me and my wife we know are like it then we figured out we need to go back to our roots and start doing that and put our time we were like spending n number of hours on it day and night no weekend we were just working there's somebody a friend of mine all of a sudden called me and he said he's looking for a job and he need help and we thought this is an opportunity where i need to go back and start looking and that's when I went to the client OCI in Chicago. They were very happy in, um, you know, taking that resource. And uh, they gave me an option to like fill more, like five more. And uh, then I was able to like do that. So that's when I started kicking back again. And we never really turned back. And we went all the way to 600, 700 employees at a point. And we did extremely well. And uh, we realized 
we cannot depend on one. So do these employees work for you and then you're, they're contracted out to these different companies or you're you're a connector and you place them as an employee in that company? These are all like um, yeah. W-2 full-time employee of ours, but they go on work at our clientele. Like, you know, if I win a project with some clientele, like, you no, know, I used to work with the state of Minnesota, worked with uh, State Farm Insurance, Starbucks. I used to work as for NPD, Blackstone Financials. So I used to work for various clientele based on their uh, needs. Then we send our employees and they work at the client location and we take care of their um, W-2 insurances. Uh, they are technically our full-time employees, but work on, for our clientele. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so that's yeah. that's an amazing little story that I didn't know about you. Going back to working, working seven yeah. nine dollars an hour, and then vending yeah. machines and a cell phone store, and then coming back to what you know the best. So, yeah. what was the moment you knew that it was going to work that second time? Yes, sir. Second time, like we were at some point after looking everything, we were a little, you know, back down a little, kind of a depressed after the September 11th. We got demotivated, but then we realized we need to focus on what's our strength and put more time. So we, we don't have kids by then, you know, even my uh, bedroom is my office and we were like, working late night we get an email we used to jump on respond right away literally every email we used to you know respond me and my wife were like celebrate small thing yeah. even a reply from a client we used to celebrate so then we we thought we will get it because we were every mail we are chasing we never left a mail awesome. yeah it's funny and then we one after other everyone started like i'm a big believer in god so i feel there is something testing time and i have to pass that and when i saw uh, one of the friend came back one of my high school friend came back for a friend i thought this is the message god want to send me and then it just like a triple multiple and you know just spread over one after other with the references we know uh, something is going to happen. So when I was like, you know, I always, you know, nobody believes it, but, you know, my wife and me, when we are walking in the Queens, uh, New York, when we see a building, my wife is like, one day we should own that building. We used to think uh, one day we should need that apartment building. We don't even have an apartment by then. We were living in an apartment. We were like, we were living in a small house, but we were thinking one day we should like work hard. We need to get that kind of a building. That's the thing we need to do. You know, we feel good, like, you know, because we were a strong partners and we were able to like uh, get through hard times. And that's great. You had a partner and someone that your wife to work with, you're going at it alone. That's 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 nice to hear. So you got it up and going. You guys found success. Did you run it for a number of years, or did you stick with that one venture? Because I know now, obviously, you have a lot of things going on. But how long did you run the that one company? I still have it, and uh, we we still do it. But what happened, um, once we have the success, then we started uh, deviating. I got a couple of single family homes in New York. So I had like a three single family homes. But to tell you the fact, that was like a bad experience. I never really made any money. When I moved out of New York in 2014, I had to sell because I don't want to keep anything in New York. Because when I was moving to Dallas, Texas, when I moved, I want to make sure I sell everything off. But 
I didn't make any money. I came back with 550,000 negative. When I was selling the house, I went down on my uh, two of the houses. I went down 550 and one house. I just made 5,000 more than what I bought. So it was not a good transition, good experience in real estate in New York. Is that just New York or is it just the fact that it was 2014? I mean, things had sort of recovered by then or is it just because New York real estate? <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of both. I got first house I got in 2004. That was still a peak time. And then second one I got in 2005, still a peak time. And in 2007, I got the house where we were, where we were living for almost eight years. That was like peakest time. And then after 2008, New York market hit really bad. And then I didn't see a growth in the house market the way I see in Texas. So... It went down. The house, which was like at 2007, uh, I got for 1.35 something million dollar. And when I sold in 2014, I sold it for $1 million. Yeah. So usually like any part of the Texas, I see house only goes up. I never saw going down. But in New York, like all the three houses, I didn't make any money. But I have a confidence I would do better in uh, Texas. And uh, more than anything, like uh, when you move out of New York, I know I will uh, cut down on the state taxes. That's a big thing. 10%, I will save it. So at least for over four or five years, I will uh, get all the money back, whatever I lost in the real estate. That's my gut feeling. And uh, since my wife is also MBA in finance, she has good sense of numbers. She's like, don't worry about the taxes. We will. Yeah. So after after 15 years in, in New York, you end up moving there. Like, what was that? What was the reason? Was it just monetary? Just better economy and more? To be realistic, it, uh, nothing. We never thought about the money. Money was never a uh, criteria for us. Like, you know, we had kids and we have, I have a 16-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. So... I was not very happy the way my kids are growing in New York. For some reason, I always used to feel there is a lot of tension people have uh, always on, I don't know, a lot of stress. I see everybody like, you know, uh, very stressful. I have good neighbors, but we hardly see. We only see over the weekends and um, maybe at parties. But then... I didn't want, because when I grew up, I was always on the streets, playing on the streets. So that's a kind of, um, you know, life, my kids, I want to give it to my kids. And I thought, uh, we're not going to stay here for long and it's not going to help them. This is the time they have to move south and spend time outdoor and play outdoor, not really staying yeah. in the home and playing video games. A more traditional upbringing, I would say, or how I grew up in the early 80s. And that's why exactly. we left California and moved out of state because we found that other states had, mm -hmm. it still existed, how we grew up playing in the, playing outside streets and kids were at neighbors' houses and everyone's not running around with their hair on fire trying to keep, keep up with their neighbor and produce enough money to pay for all the expenses in some of these states. It's just a whole different, like the pressure just goes down basically. So right. it was great. And yeah. I still tell everybody the same thing. I, I used to do exact same work what I'm doing here in New York, but um, the amount of stress I used to have in New York, I can't tell you. You will only experience the stress. But uh, I go back and I see people going through, um, you know, same thing. So I saw a number of uh, possibilities moving south, not only financially, 
I'm in a better shape in my health. And even the same thing with my wife. We get to walk every day and we get to like play outdoor. We get to go parks every day, every week. You know, we, we used to celebrate, even though we have like four or five beaches next to our, within one hour distance from my home in New York, Long Island. But we never really had time to go. So since after moving here, we spend a lot of family time. That is something, you know, I'm enjoying it and uh, my kids enjoy. So we like it. I think it's a pretty common story if you're not yeah. in New York. If you're a business owner, entrepreneur, I've talked to a lot that find success and they realize like, do I want to double down on this or do I want to figure out how to, how to maintain this, but take some of the stress and the pressure off. And I think that's when they start looking, how can they, I mean, they, they go two directions, either try to make their business run without them and just produce in the background, which we all know is very hard, or they look to diversify out to different options. So you, you moved to Texas. I did Facebook stock your YouTube stock you a little bit. Do you live on a farm with cows and you grow corn? <laughs> Is that true? Uh, okay, so uh, that's an interesting story. I don't live on the farm, but what happened when we moved here, right? Uh, to give you a background, when I moved, as soon as I moved to Texas, we wanted to build a corporate office for our Sriven systems. So we built, uh, you know, 23,000 square foot. That was our first building. Uh, when we are doing the whole construction process, I fell in love with construction. Me and my wife, we were like meeting bankers, uh, brokers, agents, title company. So not just doing business, socializing. I enjoy socializing. So when we did all that, I was like, this is fun. You work and you have fun too. So then I ended up, doing more construction. Then uh, I started into retail. I took the, initially I got the retail based on my, um, our CPA suggested us, you're paying a lot of taxes. You need to see a way where you can, have, the only way you can reduce taxes is like you need to have some loss bearing real estate. Any real estate which shows losses or you have, you need to show something to show losses. Only to show losses, we ended up buying one not very well-performing uh, retail center. And then we started rebuilding that. We just uh, upgraded and make it look brand new. And then it started producing more. And we liked it. And everything in real estate, um, I liked it about like, I want to touch, feel, go see that. The whole process, I enjoyed it. Then that's how uh, we built it, but we never really thought we we're going to build a real estate just for us. So we started and then we went on buying land is something like I always like, you know, being from India, being from the farm. My grandfather, you know, he's a very big uh, farmer and a landlord. So I always had this big connection with the lands. Then we were acquiring lands all over like DFW and Austin wherever you see a highway growth path, we used to like go anything hundred and more acres and with the easement of future development, we just went on acquiring. But then we realized like we are only acquiring and you know, I didn't feel anything connected. Everything is somebody has like, you know, okay, it's all about money and commercial. So then we said, we need to have our own farm, which we should not talk business. We should not talk about future investments or anything about business. Then we took a farm, like a 72 acres, Decatur, and uh, 
that's our to-go place. Every weekend we go there, Friday night we go there, spend there. So then yeah. I always like long hunt, man. I, I have this fascination about long hunts. So I wish <laughs> I, I'm supposed to get a long hunt there. I'm working on it. So I got two long hunt babies and we named it like a Sita and Radha, like uh, very powerful names of, uh, you know, goddess, the Hindu goddesses. Then my daughter and my son, they fell in love completely. They never used to like uh, going to the farms or going near the cattle. Now they wait for a Friday and they want to go there, feed them. And then they started enjoying and then we started slowly getting into some fruit. We put some fruit and then we had some corn. So we're doing the all agriculture. <laughs> now we okay, became cool. a farmer. So it is, it is a, a family farm. That's neat. It is a family farm. So we made it as soon as we went there, we put it as first thing I did is like Jangam farms. <laughs> That's the only board I did. And I was like, no, this is not really what we have to do. We have to do some work. And then we started doing planting and all. I have plans for doing some green farm. I think your notes said you had 3,200 acres of future development land. Is that all bought and paid for or is that finance? Like yes. the question I always see when I see someone holding a lot of land is like, how do you hold it for the period of time you need to considering the carry costs or you just buy it outright and wait? Yes. Okay. So that is like, you know, what I did, I cannot do it now. So there's a big difference. So um, until um, last year, the interest rates were like two, 2.5, three max. So and then even for the land, we were only paying like 20%, 30% down. So I was still able to afford it and uh, pay 30%. And then I don't have to pay any taxes because this is all ags. Uh, I have cattle and uh, farming. So every land, every piece of land we got is like, you know, I exempt because of the farmers. Then some of them, which are like um, 5,000, 6,000 per acre, those kind of lands we paid off 100%. But the, some of the lands, uh, we got it like 14,000, 15,000 per acre, but we got 20%, 30% down, and we have a you know, 10 year, 15 year, 20 year loan terms, and with a 2.5%, 3%. So we were able to hold it. But with the current market, 7, 8%, I don't think we can even do anything right now. So we can't afford that right now. But um, most of them are in like a growth path. I have it like in um, Sherman, Blue Ridge, uh, Farmers Well. When you go south, I have in like a Cleburn. So these are all like a really um, future growth path where you can see highways leading to either Austin or going to the, you know, uh, Sherman area or even going to Houston. So my criteria for the land is like access to the highways and how far is the utilities and how soon, what is the whole period? Can we hold for like five years and then flip it? What could be? So, you know, land like if you can hold, that's the best thing because none of the investment gives the returns what land gives. So then we enjoyed, we, we liked yeah, it, the process. Land deals are definitely a longer play, but you see the multiples that they get if they pick the right spot and just wait. It's it's impressive. And yeah. those are more reasonable per acre costs. In my head, I still have California per acre costs. 
I always look around true. when I used to live there, like how does anyone hold this true, this true, long? True. I mean, there's some developers that will hold it 15 plus years. And obviously it was cheaper when they bought it, but they're buying it now still. They were. Yeah. Um, so that's always interesting. True. Okay. So that makes sense. That's awesome. Okay, I had to jump in here real quick. I hope you're loving this interview as much as I am. To get all our content and stay up to date, make sure you follow us on social media under Brian underscore O'Neill underscore investor on Facebook and Instagram. And also remember to follow this podcast if you're listening to an audio. And if you're on YouTube watching the video, make sure you subscribe to this channel. Okay, back to the interview. So you moved out to Texas. You moved out for family yeah, reasons. Yeah. You had your company. We didn't discuss... Was it just your CPA saying, hey, you need to buy a commercial building to reduce your taxes? That's what got you into real estate? Or was it, I need to place money? I'm, like, what, what was it? Was it just the CPA or was it something else? Uh, no, the first thing, um, you know, it's all uh, passion and, um, you know, the love towards real estate. Because when we built our first building, as I said, when we moved, first thing what I did is like, you know, build the office building for our company, Sriven. So then we only occupied 30% of it and then 70% we leased it. So that was, we saw pretty good income in that, almost close to 500,000 we were making on the building and like amazing. Then I was like, yeah, do this again. Why can't we <laughs> like do more of this? Then we, we like went on getting onto the more land and started developing uh, offices, retail. So that's how we started with the commercial and uh, retail. But the land is something I always, I don't know, for some reason I had this truck in my head, like as an, even while growing up, I always wanted to be an employer, hold at least a thousand acres of land. That was like in my mind. So I said like, so let's do it. That that's a reason I went is like nobody has told me to go for land, but I wanted that. But then it went on beyond and like I started like, you know, enjoying the fruits of it too, like not just as a passion. The transition from land to multifamily is also because of the land. So one of the land in um, farmers will we got for like a twenty four thousand per acre, uh, hundred and twenty three acres. These are on, on a highway 380 and then all of a sudden we, we never had an interest of selling and like there is a neighbor who was like calling us again and again like, oh, are you interested in selling? Like I told, yeah, I'm going to sell it for 65000 He said, are you sure? And he sent me an offer and with a dark sign and my wife was not happy. She's not happy signing for signing that and I went ahead and signed it. He deposited the money. I'm trying to tell because my wife was not happy. I was trying to come out of the contract. I told him, can I come out of the contract? I can pay you back. He's like, no. Why wasn't she happy? I and mean, that's triple what you paid for it, right? Close to. Yeah, but you know, it's more than, if it's like a 20% down, imagine like uh, it's not even, it's almost 15, 20 times the money. So she's like, no, because there are utilities coming right there. It's going to be 90, but I can't go back. I already signed it. Then she was very upset for two days. Like, you know, how do you sign? How could it be like that? So we got utilities right there and we should be getting 90 for that. Then I was like, I need to do something to make her happy. Like, you know, for the money, there were like almost 3.8 million yeah. uh, we made. That's only like a nine months. Oh my God. Like we pay a lot of taxes for that. I was not sure how do I make it. Then I was like doing research everywhere, trying to find out what could be done. 
how do I not pay taxes and legally and make money out of it? Then I was looking all the options, Googling, calling friends, and um, somebody told me either buy a hotel or, um, or a multifamily. But then I was looking for hotels. Then hotels are like every day you have to do service. It's like a restaurant. So you can't keep up every day and that's too much pain. Then I was thinking, okay, I should go for a multifamily. And then I have zero knowledge about multifamily. I have absolutely nothing, no idea how that runs. But then I went on to talking to some people and these guys are like, man, there's a lot of pain in multifamily. You can't do it. So you have to deal with so many people and then they don't even give it to you. So you need to have a previous experience. Everybody is like trying to put me down and they say it's not possible. Then I went to Al Silva, the guy from Marcus Milchab, and he's like, hey, Al, I need to, I don't have an experience, but I have experience in um, commercial, I have experience in retail, and I have experience in land development. I have experience pretty much everything other than multifamily. And I want to pay, and I don't know about LPGP, all this. So I want to pay, I have this money, I want to put down payment, and I will take this. This guy, he said, I'm going to get you something. And um, you don't need any experience. You could do it uh, with your experience. So there are a lot of people, they show experience, but they don't really have a real experience of what you did. So you, you will be able to manage pretty easy. And then he did show me two of them and I gave an offer. So people said, oh, you're a first time buyer. You will not even get until 10 or 15 offers you present. You might not get for the first 10 offers. <laughs> then I got both of them. I was in best and final in both of them. Like, oh my God, then two, how do I, I only have money for one. I don't have money for two. Then I said, like, I'm going to go with a smaller one, the 86 unit one, because I want to learn. Uh, so get an experience on the job. So I went with the 86 and then I was very happy the way it's done, the whole process, transition, and I was happy with the brokerage. So it's a big experience. So people go, go for training, do all that. But for me, it's like uh, me and my wife, we were like training on the job. We were talking to our management company, looking at it. We go every month, talk to the manager, talk to the, you know, the uh, super or uh, maintenance guys. So we were like, you know, because we have a prior experience with the managing our commercial properties, our own management company, it helped us in the transition. Yeah. I mean, experience as a business owner, with employees, you built buildings, you're buying land, multifamily is just a, a slight deviation from that. So it's not like you're coming out of a, a, a W-2 job trying to go buy a yes. multi-million dollar yes, building and run it. <laughs> so that's for sure. So I assume you went and you moved into syndication yes, syndications that, that at some so point, true. not using your own money and bring other people in? Yes. The first one, um, you know, I got 100% myself. And the second one, I met a friend, um, Johnson. Uh, he's from Canada. And um, he said, I have this deal in uh, Atlanta. Are you interested? Because I'm interested. The reason being I want to like, uh, because I sold the land that year, I want to like more depreciation. So I invested uh, over a million dollars there to take the depreciation for the year. And then... After that, then I did a LP, like more than 1,000 units. Um, so I invested in some of the Brad's deal and some other friends' deals. 
So after this, then I thought I need to start uh, 100% myself that because I was not ready until then. I want to see how the LP runs with the different, how do they give the returns? What kind of returns they give? Keep the promise. What is their uh, email? What is their transactions? How do they communicate with the investors? How do they manage? I want to know as a GP and as a LP. So that's the reason I invested close to a thousand units I did uh, as a LP GP. And then I was talking to all these brokers. So I always meet brokers. So for either lunch, dinner, whatever. So I try to make time to go meet them. So when I got it from CBRE, like, you know, this is an off-market deal, an amazing deal. 3.2% in this market is amazing. You can't beat it. And on top of that, when uh, what he did is like uh, eight years fixed for 3.2. And then it's 100% occupied and Irving. So as soon as I saw that, I was ready. Then I was looking, all I was looking is not really like syndicating, looking for partners. I want somebody who can work on it. So who has the you know time and can spend time on it. So I saw some of the people having like a GP, like a 10 different GPs. But my question was, how do you put time? How do you put your effort on 10 properties at the same time? So I want somebody who could dedicate their time. So I was looking for then, you know, Johnson is a guy. He's working as a bank loan processor. He knows the numbers thoroughly. And then Aman, you know, Aman Singh is another friend of mine, uh, met and uh, in the bus tour. So he is um, very eager to learn and know about. He's good at analyzing uh, Brad sheet, he's Mark sheet, he's different um, analyzer sheets and he does different things. And he has an experience working in the bank, working in uh, data analytics. So he's good with the numbers. So then I got into partner with these two people and then we started. I thought it's gonna be tough. Uh, because first time uh, going and asking people to uh, raise funds for me. All I did is like, you won't believe it. I just started putting a flyer together and just boom, sent on my WhatsApp. I got so many messages. You won't believe it. Like uh, a lot of my friends from New York uh, messaged me. I want to invest. How do I? Then, you know, uh, a lot of my uh, employees from uh, Shriven Systems, they are like, uh, I wanted to invest and then family and all. Mostly friends and family, people who are um, you know in touch. Because in the past life, I was also like more into cultural organization. I was the president of a Telugu organization. So back in New York, I was the president of a New York Telugu organization, then a national Telugu organization. So I have these connections from the all these nonprofit organizations. So everyone who saw me on the Facebook, they started sending me messages. I'm interested, I want to do it, I want to invest. But you know, we closed it, uh, I think before a month of the closing, we were fully subscribed and I, then I said like, maybe I'll do it for the next time. And then so we closed, that's how I en ended up being a syndication and uh, it was a sweet memory and sweet journey. So now I'm planning on the second one. We're almost ready. So I'm like working on um, some analyzing and getting onto some second deal now as a syndication. Do you think those people invested with you because they saw you had success in business or because you'd had previous ventures in commercial real estate and stuff like that, that you had done on your own. And then this was like the first opportunity to sort of join you. Well, one thing I realized, people always look at 
your past and look at you like you know what is that you did you know your achievements uh, there are people always talk and they might have a great deal but they go with the people who they trust so if you have a business experience with you and you have a good experience you still want to invest in your other deals and if you are a good employee and you know you have a good communication uh, good relationship he want to our family members people see your lifestyle how you achieved and what what do you stand for what are your like you know everything i think they look at all those and then they jump on to and then there are few people who are like you think a lot of them if you have a great deal people will come in but if you don't have that connection it's hard to sell anything yeah i can totally see that i saw that you had a post that you talked about class and character in today's world that's obsessed with wealth i thought that was an interesting post i don't know if you remember it can you expand on it okay uh, what i always feel is like you no know, class and character is something which you need to have it doesn't come with money if you are a billionaire it doesn't mean you have a class so the i saw i met several of them so because i am a uh, very active socially and i was a non-profit organization president and then i always go to attend even last month we had a huge 15000 member organization they did a convention here so we meet all these people right when you meet you know there are people who might not be rich or who are just doing a day job and not even a great job but when you see meet them you feel the positive vibe and there are some people they are uptight and when they talk based on how you look how you dress and what's your uh wallet size is based on where you live and all that so that's something i always realized as a child i always notice so i uh, one thing i do even though i'm not great at books but i'm good at reading people i see how they react to you let's say you just walk by 10 people walk to the same person see how they react you will figure out like you know based on you will know even everything everyone is unknown but based on how they dress they try different and if they know somebody is in living in some better house they react differently so that is something i always bothers me so like you know i put that message because class and character is more important than what you have in your wallet or how big or how rich maybe you're a billionaire millionaire end of the day if you don't have the class you might show pretend to be successful we all know nobody can go and tell you, in, you internally in your mind you know what you are so they know they will feel that yeah the most profound people i think i've come across especially part of our group are the people that you have no idea what they're worth or not worth and like you said their class and character are what you you see up front they don't use their standing or their wallet or anything to demand any type of respect they get it from their class and character and i've been surprised i mean jesse this will be a, a, gr- a great example i mean he's kind of a goofy guy but for a billionaire he's a pretty down to earth guy so i like uh, you know what i liked about jesse same thing you know i have to tell you like you know i was so impressed with jesse i saw several of them speakers motivational speaker and all of these people but jesse 
is an amazing guy. Uh, I have to tell you, he's one of the most amazing guy I have ever met. Man, he is like, look at his, the way he dresses and he don't care what he is. And he talks to everybody in the same way. That's the thing I liked him. He don't know whether, you know, you're doing a multifamily, you're going to come back to him as a client or what's your, uh, you know, what you could do. He has no idea, like, you know, but he still speak to everyone with the same respect and same way. So I really liked it. And uh, since, uh, and also that's a life changing for me. Since I went to Jersey, um, my whole, uh, the way I behave with my son and what I teach him, what I do is completely changed. Because that's what he taught is like, you know, leading as an example, not by teaching them or preaching them. So that completely, that's a big, big eye opener for me. And um, I always uh, spend time and try to do just, I want my kids to watch what I'm doing it, not really like tell them what to do. So uh, they are grounded. The reason being like they see us, uh, what we do, you know, we never brag on anything. So we when we go for taking weeds out from the farm, we do everything. So and they like it. They appreciate that. That's awesome. Well, if people want to find out more about you and your company, do you have do you do public 506Cs or only Bs right now? So I do uh, both, but right now we did only 506B. But we are open and we want to the next deal. Uh, we want to do 506C. So we'll definitely do that. Uh, we are uh, in the process of final underwriting and uh, we will uh, start that pretty soon. So our website is limba.com. So we have pretty much all our information is on there and I'm on social media, Vikram awesome. Reddy. Well, thanks Vic. So I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. It's all over, but I will definitely share yeah, with for you. Sure. And it was awesome having you on. It's cool to hear your backstory and learn a lot. A lot more about you it's definitely broader than i expected so i think the listeners will love love to hear it thank you thank you so much brian it's really nice uh seeing you and you know i i like the way you you change your dreams and you went to idaho and uh moved from california i like that so i'm doing uh in a way where i like it same similar just like you so i know thank you so much and it's so good to connect with you